Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you're having an amazing day so far. Today, we have an awesome guest. She is the author of Zero to Four Figures. She is a marketing strategy consultant. She is an Etsy shop owner, a podcaster, a Skillshare teacher, and she's also known as the marketing nomad. So let's welcome Prithvi Madhuk. How are you doing today, Prithvi? I'm doing well, Victor. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Super excited oh. to be here. Oh, it's great to have you on. So I'd like to get started by asking you, please share your story. How did you become an entrepreneur? Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the story is very interesting, Victor. It's uh, It's got drama. It's got intrigue. <laughs> it's It's got absolute craziness. So I actually did my MBA in upstate New York. And after you, and I was an international student, so I come from India and I did my two-year program and every international student who is eligible, they get basically a year of work um, under your student visa. So there I was fresh out of my MBA program. I got a great job at a top solar firm on Long Island. And I had to wait out the entire work period, and I did. And after that, my employer had to convert my student visa into a work visa. My employer applied for it, but unfortunately, my work visa did not get processed. And that meant as an international student, I had to leave U.S. and you know, come back to India or go wherever life was supposed to take me at that point. And during this time, I was absolutely devastated. Uh, New York, I mean, it is one of the greatest cities in the world, you know, and I had grown very attached to the place. All my best friends were there. I had to leave an amazing job, amazing colleagues. I wasn't sure what to do at that point. And it was through that pain, that anguish that I realized if, you know, I had to make something good out of a bad situation, then now was the time. And I was already at ground zero, you know, I had to go back and put my resume on LinkedIn, apply for jobs. I thought, why not start on my own, instead of maybe waiting five or 10 years down the line, it was the perfect time. And if it didn't work out in a year, then, you know, I could always go back to applying jobs on LinkedIn. And so I decided to kind of delve into the entrepreneurial world. I decided I would want to become a digital entrepreneur. So I started on YouTube, started my podcast. I also was freelancing. So I put my profile up on various freelance uh, websites. Within six or seven months, it became pretty clear to me that something was working. You know, things were working for me. Everything was looking up and I could continue this long term. So in the middle of the pandemic, I actually set up my company in August of 2020. So that was the moment I became a digital entrepreneur and a business owner. That was the start. That was also the time that I opened a marketing consultancy firm, which is what the Marketing Nomad LLC is all about. Even though I was in India, I set up the company in Delaware and I went by the name The Marketing Nomad. I started to do marketing strategy consulting for businesses across the world. And fast forward two years from August 2020, I've worked with 60 companies, 60 plus actually uh, in eight different countries. I am also a podcaster, a YouTuber, 
I've opened up an Etsy shop as well to sell digital products. And I am also an author. So these are all the roles that I fulfill right now. So I'm a digital entrepreneur and a business owner. Wow, that's uh, pretty amazing. And you were able to accomplish all that in a pretty short period of time over the last two or three years. So uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting because you did your MBA at Upstate New York. You did a two-year program, you did a one-year job. And unfortunately, your work week was not able to be processed. Obviously, it's very devastating. I live in New York City, so I, I know what you're talking about. It is a fun <laughs> place to be around. A lot of great things to do. So uh, definitely a place you don't want to live. But but it, it's uh it's pretty interesting because you took the chance of trying to become an entrepreneur. You know, you, you just started from scratch. And for most people, that's not an easy thing to do. So I know you say you had options later on, but um, was it scary trying to, you know, obviously you did a lot. You you know, right now you're, you're a business owner, you have digital consulting, you've done, you work with over 60 companies. So you, you've done a lot. You have your YouTube channel, podcast and all that stuff. But when you first made that decision to try it, was it really scary? Were you looking, did you have like some doubts? I'm saying, yeah, should I do this? Because I've never done this before. I'm just branching on my own. So it was a little scary at first. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, so scary because I personally did not know any digital entrepreneurs in my circle. I mean, I had read about them in magazines and newspapers. And between you and I, Victor, I thought they had superpowers. So for me to actually get into that world, I was terrified. I was so, so scared. You know, it was in that moment that all of the self-doubt also came into picture. Can I do this? Do I have it in me? What does doing, you know, having, having it in me even mean? You know, what would I consider as success? What would I consider as a failure? All of those questions started looming in. And I mean, was I even capable of being a digital entrepreneur? I only had one year of work experience at that point, even though I had two degrees. One was an engineering degree and an MBA program. But of course, imposter syndrome does come knocking every single corner, doesn't it? So it was so terrifying. But at the same time, you have to understand that I was in a state of pain and anguish. And for me, anything else other than being in that situation was better. So I think that sort of pushed me. And I think that's one of the mindset shifts that I had to make personally when I first started out was working through the pain while starting my entrepreneurial journey. And I think that pain helped me overcome a lot of my self-doubt and a lot of my imposter syndrome as well. Uh, that's interesting stuff. You mentioned imposter syndrome, which a lot of people have to deal with. So and it'll give you a lot of doubts. Is this really me? Is this who I really am? And But you mentioned you were in pain and anguish, and you had to go through a mindset shift to work through this pain. And as a result, you're able to accomplish a lot through these last uh, several years. So what do you think, you know, because there's some, a lot of entrepreneurs, it could take them 5, 10, 15 years before they have success. What do you think are some of the reasons why you've been able to have a lot of success in the last few years? What do you think are like, for example, some of the habits you have that maybe certain entrepreneurs do not have? What do you think are some of the things that help you become successful so quickly? I think the fundamental thing about the entrepreneurial journey from what I've learned is that it's just about you. That's it. That's all it is about. You have to understand what your strengths are. You have to understand what your weaknesses are. You have to understand your limitations. You have to understand the resources that you have access to, the resources that you do not have access to. The more you get to know yourself, 
actually it becomes that much more simpler to navigate your entrepreneurial journey because your entrepreneurial journey, you know, the strength of your journey is all about you. So I think this was one of the biggest things that I had to learn when I first started out. When I first started out, I did not have a clue about who I was as a person. I did not have, I, I didn't, it didn't occur to me to figure these things out. You know, what were my strengths? What were my weaknesses? And through the entrepreneurial journey, I realized that the more I understood who I was, the more I started working to my benefit, to my advantage. And the more I did that, things in my business as well started smoothing out and I was able to conquer, I guess I would say, to get to where I am today. I know I like that the, the entrepreneur journey is about you. You gotta know who you are, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, your limitations, what you can do. And whatever you don't have, you try to reach out to other avenues, Absolutely. which I think a lot of people uh, don't understand. I think a lot of people, when they get started, they try to do everything on their own and it just overwhelms. And I think it's one of the reasons why they quit. And you realize, you know what? These are my strengths. I'm going to focus on these things and my weaknesses. I'm not going to focus on, you know, maybe you're outsourcing to the people you're hiring a VA or something like that. I think that's something very good. And it's good. You learned that very quickly because a lot of people never learned that. And you got to know your limitations, know about yourself. So you focus on, you know, on your strengths. Now, what do you think are some of the, you know, obviously that's very good. And, what are some of you know you talked you talk a little bit more about this mindset shift because i think that's very important because i think if your mindset is messed up it, it's you, you're going to find yourself self-sabotage how do you keep your mindset very positive it's not very negative because you know you went through some pain and anguish a few years ago but you <laughs> yes. let that not defeat you so how are you how are you able to want to overcome that number two how do you because and you know no matter how well things are going in the entrepreneurial journey you have your ups and your downs you have your good week yes. your bad week you do much bad not every single month is good as natural. So how do you keep yourself positive? Because you're going to have some adversities. How do you overcome that? Oh, that's such a beautiful question, Victor, because I think one thing that I understood at that point, um, you know, with all the pain and anguish that was surrounding me at that point was all it takes to get to the place that you want to be is one bold step. Oftentimes we look at the place that we want to be and we think that it is so far or it involves many, many steps to get there. But frankly, when I think about it, if I have to look back at my life, all it takes is that just that few moments of courage, just one bold step to get you out of your unhappy situation or get you out of the situation where you feel stuck or you feel that things are just not going your way. And I think that is something that I have applied for my business as well. During the time when I had to face the whole work situation, starting the entrepreneurial journey was the big, bold step that I did take. And that's it. I was already at my place B. You know, if place A was that pain of anguish, a place of anguish and pain, place B was already a little bit of happiness. And I apply the same thing with my business as well. If you are unhappy in your current situation, if something in your business is not going well, all it takes is usually one bold step, those few moments of courage for you to get out of it. And identifying that is your job. And doing it also is your job. You know, you can't just say, oh, yeah, that's a good bold step, but I'm not going to do it. Because if you don't do it, you're going to be stuck where you are at. And I think that was one of the fundamental mindset shifts that I can get out of any situation. I have the power to change every situation. 
And in that power, all it takes is just one bold step. Oh, I like that. Take the have that courage, take those bold steps, take the action. Even if you have some fear, take action on the fear because eventually I'm sure you discovered that the fear just went away once you took action on it. You just have to absolutely yeah, you don't deny that it's there, but you just have to take action, you don't let it stop you. And I think that's a um that's something great for the audience listening to understand. Is you're gonna have your fear, you're gonna have these you have to take certain steps, but don't be afraid to do it because you never know where it will lead to. And this will tie in with our next question because uh you took action. In the beginning, you didn't have a large audience. Not many people knew you. So for those listening out there, you know, I guess this ties in with what you just said. Maybe they have a tiny audience and they say, I want to get started. But man, I, I'm not like these big guys. How do I, how do I, how do I have a successful business in my first six, 12 months? Because I really don't know any people. Well, I think my biggest advice would be that you don't need to have all your ducks in a row. I think it's such a common misconception that you have to have everything ready before you get started on the entrepreneurial journey. Frankly, if I have to be very honest, I did not have my ducks in a row. I didn't even have a plan to begin with. I just knew, woke up one day, it was very instantaneous. I woke up one day and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And even as I went through as much as I have maybe a short-term plan or maybe I have a vague long-term plan, what I came to understand, what I have come to understand as well is that the journey happens after you take a step. You know, you get to know your next step only after you've taken your first step. And there are multiple opportunities, multiple possibilities of where you can go. So when you have a very rigid plan before you even start, you are robbing yourself of the opportunity to discover your path as you go. You're robbing yourself of the potential opportunities that can actually pave the path. Not just that, the path that you think you want to start with may not always be the path that you actually want to do once you get into it. You know, there are so many different ways that these this entire journey can go. So one of the biggest tips that I would give you if you are thinking of starting out is that don't assume that you need to have all your ducks in a row. It's okay if you don't. Think about taking the first step. If you want to start your journey, maybe think about how you're going to put your profile out there for everyone, the freelance websites that you're going to go. As you take the next step, everything else starts clearing out. The next few steps start clearing out. But if I have to tell you the plan that I started with and where I am today, very, very different because I was open to the opportunities. I allowed myself to experiment. I allowed myself to, I guess, move as the journey took me. No, that's very good. I like that because the journey happens after you take your first step. Don't have a rigid plan because like you said, you know, we all have this place we want to go to, but the way to get there can change. So I, I like to think of it this way plane going from New York City to Los Angeles, it's off course most of the time. But at the very end, because to make the adjustments, it lands at the airport in Los Angeles. So I think what you're saying is we need to be flexible. Don't be so rigid. You're gonna you're gonna get some feedback. You might you're gonna go maybe a little bit off course, but you're gonna come back, you're gonna make these little tweaks and get back on the path. So you're always gonna get back on the path, but you maybe take a different route. It's usually not a straight path. It's gonna be a little zigzagging. As long as you're flexible, and you pay attention to the feedback you get, you're going to wind up there. Am I correct? Absolutely. 100%. That is awesome. No, I, I love that. And that's something for everyone to, uh, to remember. So great stuff there. Now, um, since you're a marketing nomad, I'm sure you're dealing with a lot of social media right now. So 
I know a lot of people today getting started saying, you know, social media, I, I need to be on social media, but I think a lot of people don't know what to do on social media. So yeah. what is some advice you can give to the people who want to take advantage of social media in their business? Yeah, so one thing I always tell people who are looking to get started on social media is you've got to learn how to sell without selling. And that's what social media is all about. And that's what content marketing actually is all about. Because the more you sell on these platforms, actually you're putting off your potential customers. So the entire concept of content marketing or on social media especially is that you've got to learn how to sell without selling. People on those platforms are not yet ready to purchase your products or your services. They need time to come to the decision of purchasing from you. And you need to give them that time. You need to give them that space, which is where the concept of selling without selling comes into place. And let me give you a few examples. When you provide value to your audience first, that's one of the ways that actually helps to build the relationship and helps to build that trust between you and your audience. So value can come in different forms. It's not always educational content. It can even be humor, if that's something that they like. Industry articles, you know, so many different versions of value, even talking about yourself, letting people know who you are as a person, even that's providing value in a lot of ways because they are getting to know your brand. They're getting to know who you are. They're getting to trust you. All of those content is actually value to your customers. So learning that your customer is not ready is the first step. Second thing, understanding that the kind of content you put out has to help them bring come closer to the brand, but not yet ready for purchase. So don't just start selling immediately. Talk a little bit about who you are. Talk a little bit about where your company is from. You know, talk a, if you are the face of your business, Show people what a day in your life looks like. If you are a full-blown business, show what a day in your employee's life looks like. So many different permutations and combinations when it comes to content. Focus on building the relationship first and then focus on your stats. And as a marketer, this was a little bit different for me to learn and you know, kind of grasp the concept because as a marketer, I'm very, very focused on stats. But as a business owner who is the face of my business, I really needed to take that time to build the relationship with them, allow people to get to know me, allow that connection to build over time. So whether it is, you know, someone new following you and you sending them a voice note, try to be personalized in your approach when you are communicating with your audience. That's another way that you can add value to that entire equation. No, I like that. Build the relationship, very important. And I think uh, uh, what I'm getting to is people buy people. They need to get to Absolutely. know you. People buy from people they know, like, and trust. And you just, if you're selling all the time, you can think of it this way. If you, if you get a magazine, it's 98% ads, you're not gonna buy the magazine. It's gonna have yeah. some interesting articles in there. So you gotta talk, you gotta like you said, sell it out, sell and let people learn about you. Give them value, give, give them stuff that they can utilize. Show them that you're someone that can help them. So provide more value, talk about yourself, your business, they know your business, articles, anything that's a value of them, and the more value you give them, build up their relation, get to know them, the more they're gonna trust you. It's because here's the thing, people being bombarded all the time in this day and age. Yes. There's so much going on. So you have to find a way to differentiate yourself. And, and what you're recommending is one way to do that. 
give them about build relationship, be a person, focus on them, learn about them, and give them lots of value. The more value you give them, the more likely you'll be able to eventually sell them when the right time comes. Like you said, be patient. So many people like, I need to sell right now, and they just go and then just vomit all over them, and they lose because <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. I've seen that happen so many times. And frankly, it was a mistake that I made when I first started out as well. And it took me some time to realize that I have to be a business owner first. I have to be the face of my business first before I am a marketer. So, yeah. Absolutely. No. And um, so now we go to the other side. So, you know, a lot of times you deal with a lot of different customers and they all they do not all react the same way. Uh, sometimes you can actually deal with sales objections. So uh, what are some of the ways um, you handle? And there are a lot of different objections. So you want to talk, maybe bring up a couple of sales objections you, you interact, you deal with because we all deal with them. So how, yes. how do we deal with them? Because that frustrates people. That's one reason why people give up their business because they don't know how to handle these objections. Yeah, so I this is a small trick that I personally have for my business, and I'm sharing it with your listeners. But whatever your sales objections are, you've got to actually address them in your marketing before the sales objections come to you. Because for me as a marketer, I'm not inherently a salesperson. There are so many people out there who are born salespeople. They love objections. They can absolutely handle it. But I'm not like that. You know, I'm exactly like the person you just mentioned. I'm probably going to be like a little bit stumped when somebody comes to me straight with an objection. And it's probably going to take me a little bit time to collect myself and then let them know. So what I do, and this works for me, my nature and my personality, I make sure I cover all of those sales objections in my marketing beforehand. So if, if I anticipate that people are going to say, well, your prices are a little too high, I make sure I communicate every single bit of value in my marketing beforehand. I make sure I let them know what makes my product the premium price I, I substantiate it. I make sure I add in the transformation. I make sure I mention every single benefit that my product or my service is going to give. I validate the price even before the sales objection comes. And I have done this with multiple sales objections. Not just that, another trick that I personally do have that matches my personality and who I am as a person is that if I anticipate a potential sales objection, I make sure that when I'm asking for reviews and testimonials, I kind of ask questions so that people can review my products and services talking about those potential sales objections. Like for example, if people are not sure of the transformation my product or services can bring, when I submit a review form to my customers or my clients, you know, I kind of give them a form to fill out for their testimonial. I make sure I put in the question, what transformation did you see from attending my program or buying my product? So making sure that your reviews tackle those sales objections is another great way. And of course, it involves a bit of forethought. It involves a little bit of understanding your consumer's mind and figuring out those sales objections beforehand. So for me, I'm not inherently a salesperson. This, this tactic absolutely wor works for me. And my sales objections comes down drastically, like dramatically, there is a significant difference because I'm already tackling that in my marketing. Yeah, no, I think that's very powerful what you, what you are doing because if you can handle the objectives beforehand in your yes. marketing, 
you're going to deal with a lot fewer when you're dealing with the customers because it's so much easier to address it beforehand when you're yes. actually getting on the phone with them or talking to them in person. So, so for example, Absolutely. you mentioned you have a higher price, but you're showing your market why it's a higher value. You get a lot of what the benefits are if they buy your product. So it justifies the higher price beforehand instead of them telling you directly, oh, it's too expensive. Because in your market, you show why it's more expensive because they're yes. getting a lot more value, a lot more benefits. And I like about when you have the uh, customers filling out the the questionnaires later on, they say, what transformation did you get from using the product? And that will also uh, address some of those objections. I think that is very powerful. And then for those of you listening, if you can uh, address the objections beforehand, you'll have a lot fewer to deal with when you're talking Absolutely. to them in person. So that was very powerful. Thanks. That's really beautiful. So, Prith, we're coming toward the end of our uh, interview. So I want to thank you for being on the show. You share a lot of great tips, a lot of great advice. And I know the audience got a lot out of your being on the show. So thanks again for being on, on the show. And before we let you go, Prithvi, if people want to get in touch, what is the best way for them to contact you? Oh, yeah. So I am the marketing nomad everywhere, like on Instagram, on my podcast, on YouTube, on Etsy. Feel free to reach out to me. Tell me one thing that you liked about Victor's podcast. Share one thing that you liked about this podcast episode as well. I would be happy to connect with you. I'm also Prithvi Madhukar on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, happy to connect with you. Looking forward to it. And one more thing. I think you also mentioned you have a new book coming out, Charlie. Yes, to talk I a little do. Bit about it? Yeah, so my book is Zero to Four Figures, Lessons Learned by a Broke CEO. And spoiler alert, I'm the broke CEO. It's basically a compilation of 61 lessons, stories and lessons that I have uh, that have kind of helped me through this entrepreneurial journey and understanding different aspects from topics ranging from mindset, business, marketing, growth mindset, successes, failures, all of those, I've kind of compiled it into a pretty big book. It's like 380 pages and uh, I'm, it's coming out in September. I'm very, very excited about it. I, I know that it's absolutely going to transform the way people look at digital entrepreneurship and even how they view themselves. Because I think one of the main reasons why I wrote this book was because I think, especially in the digital entrepreneurship world, it feels, you don't feel successful until you hit six or seven figures. And that's just because of the pressure there is, you know, the external pressures. So my book focuses on how you can change that narrative and how you can view yourself as a success, even regardless of whether you hit those six figures or you hit those six, uh, seven figures or not. And so, yeah, that's what my book is all about. Oh, sounds great. Sounds like going to be a great book. Again, Prithvi, thanks again for being on, your sh on the you. show. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.